I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, darlings all. Welcome to this Monkey Kingdom and ACAST production of Tom Reed Wilson Has Words With. Today's guest is a delighter in words and a coiner of words. The former because he's a very fine comic actor. The latter because he's a very fine comic writer. David Walliams and I have not worked together, but our paths are like a veritable helix because of how similar our tastes are. We rub up against each other with alarming regularity. Figuratively speaking, of course, at the BFI and in the West End, we endlessly crisscross. Did you know, by the way, crisscross is an evolution of Christ's cross, the most famous early depiction of crossed lines and therefore a very useful reference point. But back to David, I can't convey what a pleasure authoring my ode to David has been this week. In this dazzling and multifaceted man, there's so much to observe, and contrary to most of my guests, so little I know through personal experience. So here are the lines that preceded from my quill. This gentle giant at too quick a glance could be the court harlequin, but his frontal cortex forever will dance. There other worlds lie within. His tastes are eclectic from Hitchcock to Pinter. The latter he even made chuckle. The former was played at the South Bank last winter, where we met and my knees would buckle. More than an actor, he's equally deft at brandishing his inky pen. And now he's a library of staggering heft and legions of fans under ten. I'm so excited as one of that group, I've almost devoured half me valiums. But thought better of it, for nothing must droop when welcoming dear David Walliams. Oh, congratulations for finding a, a rhyme with Walliams. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Me Valiums. <laughs> that was wonderful. That must have taken you so long to write. It was wonderful. <laughs> now, you are unique insofar as you're the only guest I've ever had that I've not worked with before. I'd like to keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> We just have this awful habit of rubbing up against each other at various plays and wild plays and Ingrid Bergman films and things like that. And I think it's because 
we're connoisseurs of camp. Camp is a word that follows us both about a bit, to the extent that it's the title of your divine memoir, Camp David. And you even explore the definition posited by Susan Sontag in there. Camp proposes a comic vision of the world, but not a bitter or polemical comedy. If tragedy is an experience of hyper-involvement, comedy is an experience of under-involvement, of detachment. Well, I suppose it's a, it's a way of looking at the world, isn't it? It's a way of dealing sometimes with the, the, the difficult things that life throws at us. And I've always admired the way that gay people have used camp as a sort of sometimes as a sort of defense mechanisms of, of sort, isn't it? And, mm. and it's sort of an interesting one sometimes, you know, if at school you're bullied for being effeminate, one thing you can choose to do is to be even more effeminate <laughs> and um, deal with it in that way and go, yes, here I am, you know, I'm fabulous. And there's something wonderful about that. So I've always been drawn uh, to camp. Obviously, it's it's a hard thing to pin down, isn't it? You know, why is someone who went to Judy Garland, especially in her latter years, seen as camp? You know, um, Lady Gaga being camp, Madonna being camp. Yes. Why do certain uh, female stars really resonate um, with gay men, for example? I once um, met Madonna. This is my first big name drop. <laughs> and I said to her, did you know that in Boys Magazine, do you remember Boys Magazine? <laughs> I do, yes. Yeah, it's a free, it was a free, for anyone who doesn't know, it was, a, it was a sort of, well, it might still be going, I don't know, it was a free newspaper kind of, that you pick up in gay bars and pubs and things. And one of the yes, things yes. it did was it used to refer to Madonna as our glorious leader, <laughs> as if she was the sort of fascist dictator of gays. And I told her that. I said, did you know in Boys Magazine, you're, you're called um, our glorious leader? She said, I do not know that. I said, well, the, this meeting has not been in vain. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? It's, um, and I've always been camp. And, and sometimes that's caused confusion because, uh, you know, I've also, I, I love women. And, yes. You know, I've been married. I have a son, all that kind of thing. But I'm camp. And actually, um with me and Matt Lucas. Matt Lucas is gay, but he's quite, in lots of ways, he's quite blokey, you know, he's into Arsenal. Yes. And, uh, and, and, and his, I'd say his tastes are probably a bit less camp than mine sometimes, not always. Um, and so it's quite an interesting one, what, what camp is and sort of who, who owns it. Well, I guess no one really owns it. It's just something that can be played with. And... Um, and it's certainly, yeah, it's the first thing people tend to think about me, I guess, is that I'm camp. <laughs> Deliciously so, though. But I think it's, um, it, to, to me, it's something that's fun. And to, to me, my, yeah. my, you know, and anyone camp comes onto the stage of Britain's Got Talent, like Simon Cowell, for example, my eyes light <laughs> up because I just think, wonderful, wonderful, you know, a drag queen, someone dressed <laughs> up. Um, someone doing, you know, a musical number, it sort of immediately makes me happy. Yes. And I think it makes lots of other people happy too. And I don't think you need to be gay to, to love camp, do you? I mean, Oh, goodness, no. It's like you don't have to be female to be a feminist. It's absolutely true. Can you tell me about the verb, fuck you? <laughs> so I got into trouble at school um, because... 
um, <laughs> there is a verb, a Latin verb, facio, isn't there? What does it actually yes. mean? I can't remember. What does to it mean? do, to do or to, or to do. make. So you have to use it quite a lot. So yes. we were sat in our Latin lesson, I know you were Latin, and Miss Benson said, facio. <laughs> yeah, now, of course, of course, if you say facio, someone at, someone at the back would, facio, like that. And then we burst into laughter. And then she, I mean, all credit to her, it's incredible. She went, fuckio, fuckio, fuck to fuck. A man and a woman fucking. What's so funny about that? And of course, we were laughing even more. Why is it so funny? And someone said, I've never heard a teacher say fuck, miss. <laughs> and and still conjugating. Things. I know. And you look cute. As a child, these things are kind of incredible. And I remember it so well, the sense of embarrassment of like, my goodness me, she's she said the F word and we're only 11 years old. And it was like, well, of course we find it funny, Miss. We're 11 years old. Actually, I'm 49. I still find it funny. So, <laughs> so, don't, so don't say fuck you and expect us not to laugh. So, yes, it was, it was sort of, it was... I really miss actually that sense when you're at school of that sort of camaraderie. You know that thing where someone drops a plate in the dining hall? Yes. And everyone goes, like, Way, I really yes. Miss that. And whenever I'm at a restaurant and I hear a plate crash, I always want to start. Like, like that. But I was thinking, no, you can't do that, David. That's only children can do that. Um, but that lovely sense of when a whole classroom kind of. Um, in a erupts. Way, all, all, all at once erupts and sort of, <laughs> in a way, you know, the teacher can't really punish all of you. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, so I often think back to my school days when I'm writing children's books, but I don't think I can put the fuckio story into one of my children's books. More's, <laughs> more's the pity. <laughs> Do you know, I remember writing a story when I was... Uh, uh, still at primary school and it was about a brother and sister called John and Mary and they were having a terrible argument and I uh, I wrote at the end um no John ejaculated and, <laughs> <laughs> and my teacher said to me Tom there's nothing wrong with this it's just slightly antiquated I, I, I wouldn't use it <laughs> I was so puzzled by it. darling I, I want to linger in your youth and turn back the clock further still as we get regional with David Walliams I gather you were delivered by nuns near Nor. Well, I was delivered as um, a hospital which was staffed by nuns, yes. I think that's why I've always loved the sound of music. <laughs> oh, God, you and me both. <laughs> the first time we ever, ever met, long before, actually, the Wild Play or the Bergman film, I was standing on door three spritzing perfume in Harrods and I was belting out the sound of music. And you came in as a customer and you stopped in your tracks because you were sort of tickled by me, unabashed, belting at the top mm -hmm. of my lungs, <laughs> alone in this doorway. And did I, did you squirt me? I didn't squirt you, alas. We just beamed at each other. <laughs> and then you sort of floated off, left into the beauty hall. I just love camp people. <laughs> um, you know, I always feel, I feel an immediate sort of kinship immediately. 
if I meet someone, Cam, I immediately feel like somehow we're all we're in the same club. Yes, yes. and it's it's just a it's just a wonderful thing. And I could I suppose I could see immediately because you're you've got such an incredible smile, and I could tell instantly that you wouldn't be squirting all your life. And so I always try and have a chat to everybody, um, or at least acknowledge people, and you know, in a, in a kind and polite way, you know, because I know that next time I come to theatre, it might be them I'm seeing on stage, you know, and I, and I, and I think I've been where you're standing, and I know what it's like. I know it's a little bit frustrating. Um, to not be on the stage when you know you 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 feel you know you've got the talent to be up there. And your very first stage, I'll let you tell it. The desire to get on the poof. Well, so we had um, a poof at home. For people who don't know what a poof is, it's like a little, it, well, it's like a little thing you can sit on. And so my sister Julie is two years older than me. She's always been. Two years older. <laughs> it's amazing. Can't seem to catch up with her. She was was she had talent and she memorized Pam Ayres poems. Now Pam Ayres very very popular on television in the seventies and eighties. She's still very popular now. She's a very talented poet and she wrote she wrote wonderful comic poems. Wish I looked after my teeth. I wish I looked after my teeth. And she had a wonderful West Country. Well, she still has a wonderful West Country accent. (laughs) Um, But I'm just sort of reminiscing really. Yes. And she used to turn up on on lots of sort of lots of entertainment programs you probably see her on some i don't know like generation game and and called blue peter and lots of things that, um in that era and, and and my sister had her book of poetry and memorized the poems and she would stand on the book and <laughs> she would recite these poems much to the delight of my family and now obviously i was watching this thinking well hang on i would like to delight my family, but I haven't memorized any Pam Ayres poems or any poems whatsoever. So I used to just push her off the puff, and then I would stand on the puff and go, pa, 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 because I just didn't know any poems. The last time this happened was about two or three years ago. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
All I can say is thank goodness you did, because you have offered the world the richest tapestry through your writings and through your performing. And so I've amassed a few Walliamsisms from your memoir. And I wonder if at this juncture you'd play translator for me. The first one, I love SPS. Oh, so when we were at school, there was only girls in the sixth form. And so you could join the school at 10. And the only girls you see would be girls of 16, 17, 18. So you'd be 10 years old and you'd have a crush on a girl who was sort of six, seven, eight years older. I mean, and there was a girl at the school called Sarah Prestwick-Smith, who um, for some reason, I mean, she must have been the prettiest girl at school when I joined age 10. And we all decided collectively that we would all have a huge crush on her. So SPS was the acronym? Uh, yes. It was the unbreakable code. Because we said her name so often, we had to abbreviate it. Ah. <laughs> it's like um, Star Trek fans who have to call it Next Gen because they don't have time <laughs> to say Star Trek Next Generation because they use they say Star Trek, they say Star Trek Next Generation every sentence. So we had to say, have you seen SPS today? Or where is SPS? I saw SPS outside the dining hall. Or I saw SPS just getting off the bus this morning like that. And so she was um, the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen. She wasn't my first crush. My first crush was my primary school teacher when I was about five. Oh, how divine. The Navy Party. So in 1989, there was a general election and it was decided at our school that we would have an election too and people could represent parties as they wish and we would have debates and all that kind of thing. Now, of course, someone stood for the Conservative Party, this being Surrey in the 1980s, someone else, I think, stood for the Labour Party, someone else maybe stood for CND or something. And I decided that I was I would stand for the Navy Party because I was in the Combined Cadet Force um, the Navy branch, because I thought that would be fun and camp to be a sailor. <laughs> and, um, and so I started up this political party that was um, based on everyone sort of being in the Navy, and I'd play in the Navy by um, the British people as I walked onto the stage to make my speeches and things like that. And in the end, I came second to sort of um, this guy who was kind of like a hippie, uh, guy who had it was called something like the psychedelic lentil alliance or something like that <laughs> so basically the school had this idea to teach us all about politics and for us to have serious political debates and it was hijacked by some loons who decided to turn it into um a, you know a, a, a bit of comedy yes. uh what's a coken a coken so mm. myself and Matt Lucas met in the National Youth Theatre in 1990. And in 1991, we were put in a play together. And it was a sort of avant-garde, Lindsay Kemp-inspired version of William Shakespeare's The Tempest. And I was playing Trinculo, which was one of the comic parts. And yes. unbelievably, because he is a comic genius and superstar, Yes. Matt Lucas was a koken. Now, I think koken is a, is a Japanese word for yeah. someone who moves the scenery around wearing black. 
you know, so you sort of wear black, so you're sort of invisible, I suppose, when the lights go out. And you move the scenery around um, for the play. And that's what Matt was doing at that time. The director hadn't spotted that, you know, he had a comic genius on his hands in Matt. And so Matt was moving the scenery. But me and Matt became huge great friends and we would talk about our dreams of you know one day being on stage and all that sort of thing the seeds were being sowed the seeds of our our you know it starts with a friendship doesn't it it starts with the fact of you just like spending time with each other and you make each other laugh and you both like the same comedians i see and not long after that very significant person entering your life two others did hunt and deck <laughs> Well, hand and deck. So lots of people still don't know which one's hand and which one's deck, which is why <laughs> hand always stands on the left and deck always stands on the right. Now, at the time I met them, and the way for me to remember which was which is the ant generally wore a baseball cap, probably because of his forehead, um, which is about three or four times bigger than a normal forehead. And so he disguised this with a, with a hat. And so a hat was hand, hand and deck. And it's a good way still I use to this day to try and differentiate between the two of them. <laughs> so, so yes, I, I wrote for them in, in those early days and came up with some sketches for them and links and various things. And it was it was wonderful. And now the hat's superfluous. He celebrates that extra He doesn't inch. need the hat. He, yes, he, he, he is proud. Um, anal misogynist cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt Lucas and I, uh, we started our comedy career at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And we got reviewed by quite a big reviewer, I think, in the Telegraph. And this was our second show in 1996. He said, Lucas and Williams have torn free of their satirical moorings and, now, and are now skateboarding headlong into an anal misogynist cul-de-sac. <laughs> Such an extraordinary sentence. And it yes. was like, I mean, I'm not saying he was wrong. I mean, maybe he was right, but it was just the most extraordinary review. Well, it's such a difficult thing to conjure, isn't it? I know. We might have got some good reviews, but I don't remember any of them. All I remember is that we were skateboarding <laughs> headlong into an anal misogynist cul-de-sac. I mean, I think anything anal is a cul-de-sac anyway. <laughs> Well, we're going to linger around the anus for one more. Um, flatulent men wanted. Coming back to Boys Magazine, which is Boys, <laughs> uh, sorry, yes. B-O-Y-Z. Yeah, Boys. Just to be clear about the multiplicity of them. <laughs> and um, they would have a, a sort of Lonely Hearts page in, in Boys Magazine. And it would be often, you know, quite extraordinary things that people were looking for. I mean, I see my mum gets the Daily Telegraph and I look in that and it's like, you know, man would like some woman for sort of long walks in the countryside, trips to the theatre and uh, sharing love of books or something like that. Oh, that's my ad. <laughs> but this, in Boys magazine, it was, you know, it was a sort of sometimes quite unusual sexual fetishes. <laughs> One, there was a man who was looking for very other men who were flatulent who could um <laughs> blow up in his face because that's the thing that he that he likes more than anything 
I mean, it's wonderful. There's something for everyone out there, isn't there? And it's the safety of boys, too. Yeah. Pin your colours to the mask, no matter what you want. I never did reply to the ad, but if they're out there still, please do get in touch. (laughs) Well, darling, you have tickled me for the best part of however long it's been, and I am indebted to you. I just adore you. I adore you. Can we have dinner when things are back to more normal? Yes, and a Cary Grant film. Yeah. And when the theatre's open, darling, front and centre. Yeah, we'll, we'll be there. And do, if you're <laughs> back at Harrods, please do give me a squirt. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. You're an absolute treasure. We're very lucky to have you in our lives because you oh. bring only joy. Oh, well, right back at you, kiddo. <laughs> Our bonus word today is something David said he and Matt Lucas never had. Shtick, from the Yiddish meaning an act or gimmick. Literally, a slice from the Middle German Stucker meaning slice. The act is really the kind of to and fro you used to see between comics like Morgan and Wise, as opposed to the sketch-based comedy of the two Ronnies or French and Saunders. David and Matt always favoured the latter, as their turn-on was character acting as opposed to shtick. Well, that's quite enough of my hackneyed old shtick for one week. For other comic luminaries, we have a very rich back catalogue, including Jennifer Saunders, Alan Carr, and Rob Beckett. This has been a Monkey Kingdom and Acast production. Until next time, oodles of love. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.